Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? So you're a real feels detective. I didn't know they existed except in books. Or else they were greedy little men snooping around sausage shops. My, you're a mess, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not the awkward bared type. This genre business of dads. You think you can handle it for him? It doesn't look too tough. Really? I would have thought an episode like that took a little effort. Not too much. Well, what will your first step be? The usual one. I didn't know there was a usual one. Oh, yes. It comes complete with diagrams on page 47 of how to be a podcast detective in 10 easy steps. Correspondence school textbook. You must have read another chapter on how to be a comedian. I'm quite serious, Mr. Marlowe. My father isn't well. And I want this episode handled with the least possible worry to him. That's the way I'm going to handle it. I see. No professional secrets? How do you like Dad? I liked him. He always liked original and thoughtful genre choices. I suppose you know what original and thoughtful genre choices are. Yeah, I know. You don't have to play poker with me. Dad wants to find Femme Fatale, doesn't he? You mean like Kill Bill? <laughs> of course I do. It wasn't right for Tarantino to go off like that. Broke Dad's heart. Although he won't say much about it. Or did he? He mentioned it. I don't see what there is to be cagey about. And I don't like your genre choices. And I'm not crazy about yours. I didn't ask to see you. And I don't mind you ritzing me or drinking your lunch out of a bottle. I don't mind you googling the top five movies of a genre to make your episode choices. They're very swell choices, and it's a pleasure to make their acquaintances. I don't mind if you don't like my episode picks. They're pretty bad. I grieve over them during the long winter evenings. But don't waste your time trying to cross-examine me. People don't talk to me like that. Oh. <laughs> Do you always think you can handle your intros like train seals? Just what is it you're afraid of? Dad didn't want to see you about Kill Bill at all. Didn't he? Get out! Alright. Please, you could find a Femme Fatale movie pick if Dad wanted you to. Where did it go? A month back. Femme Fatale just drove away one afternoon without saying a word. Jack found its episode idea parked in some old bookcase. Who's Jack? Oh, Dad didn't tell you then. He told me about Kill Bill, yes. But that's not what he wanted to see me about. Is that what you're trying to get me to say? I'm sure I don't care what you say. You might change your mind about that someday. So long, Mrs. Rutledge. Yeah! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> oh. welcome back to the Real Feels podcast, where we give you a different movie of a different genre, brought to you by our very own Bilbo Grabbaggins TM, Fort Nightly. Tonight, we give you the Femme Fatale pick, and that is mm. 1946's Big, The Big Sleep, based on a Raven Chandler novel, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Can I help you, sir? Oh, yeah, I'm looking for a good mystery on something off the beaten track like the Maltese Falcon. 
Oh, that was a fascinating story. But here's one that has everything the Falcon had and more. It's Raymond Chandler's latest bestseller, The Big Sleep. What a picture that'll make. You mind if I look at it? Sometimes I wonder what strange fate brought me out of the storm to that house that stood alone in the shadows. As I probed into its mysteries, every clue told me a different story. But each had the same ending, murder. Every instinct warned me to beware that something more dangerous, more deadly than I'd ever known before was in that room. And suddenly, Gentlemen, gentlemen, hearken to me. Mm. Oh, I am I'm super excited for this. This was a good rewatch for me. Nathan, mm. this was a first for me, obviously, as as per usual, par for the course. <laughs> I may get you uh, um, as part of our group Bilbo Grab Baggins Christmas special, just a t-shirt that says first watch. This is my first this is my first time. <laughs> Movie, movie, virgin. But in in your defense, Uh, it's not something that I think most people our age and our generation may have maybe more on the familiar end with. But but give me your thoughts, gentlemen. Drew, you go first. Oh, that's fine. So I mean, rewatching this again, I I haven't seen this for about twenty years, and with upon rewatching it, I started to realize I didn't remember a damn thing. Is but. it because of the the, the, the the tidiness of the plot? <laughs> no, it's not because of the tidiness uh, of the plot. Tidiness, sorry. <laughs> oh, tidiness. <laughs> I don't know. I just couldn't remember anything, but it was such a delightful rewatch. And I mean, you know, first time going through was a little bit slow. Second time going through, a lot quicker. And I started noticing little things anymore. I absolutely love the the writing, the quips, the banter. The the innuendos back and forth. The movie is riddled with sexual attention, <laughs> shadows, film noir stylings, the detective. I mean, I mean, sitting here going like, go on, Angel, move away. The fact that everybody is smoking, everybody's drinking. Even even during the intro where it just says the big sleep and there's uh, Lauren McCall and Humphrey Bogart in the background. They're both just mm-hmm. just puffing on cigarettes like this. Right, the, the, the I, I'm surprised it did like part of the credits wasn't Philip Morris. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> the camel man. <laughs> Uh, Nathan. So this movie was like the most softcore porn esque. <laughs> I I was it caught my attention very quickly because I'm I'm a dude and uh, when when they're talking about uh, getting wet in the bookstore and uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite scenes, by the way. You know, it just happens. I got a bottle of pretty good rye in my pocket. I'd a lot rather get wet in here. I'm sorry, what did she say? Like, 
uh, Philip, get on that. Like, what do you? She, she's laying down breadcrumbs. She's no, she's laying down loaves of bread. Like, get on this. And so, yeah, this movie has a lot of moments where uh, mm-hmm. you're you pay quick attention. You're like, wait, wait, what have I, what have I missed? Like, does he, does he know her? Why is she like staring him up and down? Like, mm, wait, aren't you a tall glass of water? You know, like. <laughs> Like, whoa! Because he's a piece of eye like, candy. Every, All five feet, every, eight of them. Every single chick in this film is just like, bing, like, sprung on Humphrey Bogart. And and no one else, though. <laughs> That's the other part that kind of is, like, telling that it's just him. You know, no one, like, goes around Eddie or anyone else and is like, oh, Mr. Mr. Mars, oh my God. Or, you know, ooh, uh, Inspector, you look at so oh, hot. Oh, Bernie Oles, let's go down, <laughs> see that body. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you do have Martha Vickers playing Carmen, who is a young nymphomaniac. I mean, she wants Good everybody because almost every single person she's all like, you're cute. I don't know who he is. Is he cute? He's cuter than you. You're making I met fun her in the hallway. She tried to sit on my lap while I was standing up. I mean, you know, honestly, for the first person that we're going to be seeing of the opposite gender in the this Mark film, opposite Humphrey Bogart. Oh, I, you know what? I mean, again, I haven't seen this in a while and I remembered nothing about it. She was a pleasant reminder of exactly like what is in this film. She is absolutely and, and Nathan, I'm glad you brought up the point about the, the sex appeal of the movie, how all mm-hmm. the female characters are are very good looking. This was, you know, first filmed in 1944, and it was shown overseas to the troops. So it was that Thanks. little Checks slice out. of apple pie from back home. And as you and Drew were talking about when I hopped into the group chat, they reshot and refilmed and sort of filled out the movie for its 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 theatrical release uh, back in the States in 1946. So it was sort of rushed out to the troops for them to enjoy. Plus, mm-hmm. Raymond Chandler was pretty prolific writer and well known at that time and that was a common book that you might find in a GI's backpack for him to peruse you know while he's got some downtime they'd swap him around because Raymond Chandler they are not tomes they are 250 315 pages at the most they're little bite-sized mystery novels that you could just chump chump down in an afternoon or an evening if you've got nothing else to do so kind of an kind of Agatha Christie, like nothing so mind blowing, but like, were they are they pretty uh, juicy, like deep? Yes, and so they mm-hmm. they have to say the the softer parts out loud for the movie because it is a more of a mainstream media. But for instance, H.R. Uh, uh, Geiger or who is it? Yeah, yeah Geiger. Geiger. Mm-hmm. You know, Geiger. they they don't say it out loud in the movie they allude to it a little bit but he's a pornographer he owns this Mm -hmm. bookstore but they're dealing pornography out the back and in the book marlo actually tails the guy when when he walks in and agnes gives him like the little jinky thumb like head to the back maybe i better see mr geiger he's not in just now that's a pity because i I said Mr. Geiger is not in. I heard you. You needn't yell at me. 
Oh, in the book, yeah, he tails him. Later. The guy gets spooked and drops the book, and it's porn. But this is, you know, it was written in the 1930s, so, you know, this porn is lent out to you. You put your name, like, on a deposit. So if this porn disappears, you're going to be blackmailed, they or they're going to find <laughs> out where it went to. This this was not, uh, you know, the World Wide Web where, We're you not know, dicking around, you, you see. You can, you can, you can accidentally yeah. search the wrong thing using the wrong Whoops. verbiage and <laughs> the images that come up are like oh god that's not what i want to see <laughs> not my taste yeah not my taste <laughs> with the with the movie in the back door having a buzzer in order to be you know taken on in agnes letting you inside you know it's something you know conspicuous it's a little sus and you have obviously the idea of like is it a speakeasy is it something nefarious Okay, it's probably this, because when they eventually do go to Geiger's house and they find that camera hidden inside, you know, the uh, the, the, stat- the head, head uh, statue, the, the, yeah, the Buddha's head statue, or whatever. Yeah. And then you have you have Carmen drugged out sitting on that chair with Geiger dead on the floor in the novel. She's stark naked mm-hmm. sta- sitting in that chair. So, I mean, they, obviously, again, they have to kind of, you know sugarcoat things slightly and just a little bit and even within the importance factors of the novel that they do leave out geiger's young like apprentice essentially his was was his lover which was the reason why he came up and shot joe brody thinking that joe brody killed geiger and because in the movie he just randomly comes up to the door and shoots him and there's no there's no ifs ands or buts there's no really you know any kind of explanation but leaving that out i think is kind of and i would say for a casual viewer who has not read the big sleep it's a good movie but for somebody who has read the big sleep the movie version is a great adaptation for its time. Mm. I absolutely adore it. Uh, Raymond Chandler first came on my radar back uh, a few years ago. I was getting ready to go on a vacation, and I asked my one buddy, John, I was like, I'm out of, like, hey, Drew, have you ever gotten to that point where, like, you're out of, like, current books to read? Like, you you need something new, something fresh. Yeah. Uh, something yeah. to take to the beach. I was like, man, I need something. He's like, just go to Barnes and Noble and get like, you know, four or five Raymond Chandler novels and you'll thank me. And that's what I did. I brought five Raymond Chandler novels on this week long vacation and they were read. I think I finished the last one on the plane ride home. Uh, so and Big Sleep was the first one that I, I uh, started with. So it is that's the feels for me is thinking back to the time where I had never even heard of Raymond Chandler. I knew about Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. But and we all grew up with this detective noir trope. And this is where it comes from. And that's why it's a cliche, because this is where it started. And it's really, really good stuff. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, kind of laying it on thick, not even with like a paintbrush, but almost like a putty knife. But I mean, it's it's almost necessary because that's what's expected. You expect the atmosphere of shadows and dark corners and, you know, drinks, smoking, the gun, the the accent that immediately listening to Humphrey Bogart, my brain almost like immediately identifies with um, Columbo. Kind of like listening to that that draw that that kind of like tone and uh, the diction that he's using this this smart witty banter that he gives back and forth. And he's all like, "What's your business? It's none of mine. It's none of yours. It's mine. Well, I could make it mine. Well, you wouldn't really like it. The pay's too little. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. Yada it's back and forth. She's and old it's enough. So good. He's oh my god. He's kind of like the house of detectives. <laughs> where like because like he's a jerk. But like yes, he's not like I like that. He's not so dickish where it's like like 
I can't. I'm not going to talk to you. It's just where he's a professional. He ha- he's good he's at what he does. He's got his own coat. Yeah. Right. Okay, Nathan will, Nathan will appreciate this. It's Dr. Cox if he was a detective. Yes. Because I'm that good. One more time for emphasis. I'm that good. Just like, okay. oh, yeah, surely. Like, you know, just really, <laughs> really uh, lays it down. But the, the one thing that this movie, I think, kind of like led me astray is that like I was intently like looking for the mystery, like and like mm. for the reveal. So when the reveal doesn't really happen of like and I don't know, like I just I can't think the femme fatale of the film gets revealed. In, like, the last minute of the movie. Yes, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel... It, it feels like it's, like, a mystery. Every time they, like, kind of, like, look down at a, a clue or something, you're like, I'm thinking, oh, shit, Nathan, jot this down because this shit's coming back. It's coming <laughs> back. And and then I kind of started going, I don't think any of that's coming back. And I was Nathan, it's <laughs> it's not a mystery. It's a femme fatale. So it's... It, I'm... I had to keep reminding myself, like, no, and then no, the no, no, book no, no, bring does it down. explain that a lot more thoroughly. Uh, and again, you know, there there are plot issues uh, with this. So, and, and with Raymond Chandler, they there are some great, like, holy shit moments. But a lot of his plots uh, and the plot of this movie in particular is more about the ride than the destination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I accept that. Yeah, but I mean, it was still very well written. William Faulkner. Uh, was one of the writers that punched up the script, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I thought was very interesting. And it's just a cool movie. I mean, when you when you look back, Humphrey Bogart was one of the founding members of the Rat Pack. Lauren Bacall, who he married when she was 20, after doing this movie and another movie with her called The Haves and Have Nots, or To Have and Have Not, married her, divorced his wife, married her. Uh, the director, Howard Hawks, hated Humphrey Bogart from tried to shield uh, Lauren Bacall from his his uh, you know attentions. Uh, she was mm-hmm. married to him until he died at the tender age of 57. And she's the one who gave them the name The Rat Pack because she walked in one night after uh, he was partying with Frank Sinatra and a few of the other Rat Pack members and she said and they were drunk on bourbon and wreathed in cigarette smoke and said that they looked like a pack of rats. Uh, so that's where that came from. And everybody, <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody realized that not a whole lot of people, I think, our generation realized that, that the Rat Pack started with Bogey. Uh, it wasn't just Frank Sinatra and some cronies down in Las Vegas. As far as like the 1940s go and some, to a certain extent, the 50s, Humphrey Bogart was the cool, the badass motherfucker of the time. And, and for, for a character that doesn't even necessarily, he, he doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't necessarily get sad. He doesn't mm-hmm. get angry. He keeps that, like, not necessarily to the extent of, like, a Ben Stein, like, monotone type of, like, like vo- voice that he's using throughout, throughout the movie. But you, you see character develop in him. You see almost the inflection without him literally having to raise his voice he it's 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 so it's done so incredibly well and they do borrow a lot of good stuff from the source material so anytime that humphrey bogart tugs on his earlobe that was pulled directly from the philip marlowe character from the raymond chandler books that's something that he does as a unconscious physical affectation when he's deep in nervous tick no when he's when something is tickling and he's trying to wrap his brain around something or he sees something Something suspicious, and he's like, mm-hmm. 
like Perot twirling yeah. his <laughs> yeah, yeah, he twirls. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He twirls his mustache. Yes. Yeah, because every time he like tugged on it, he either like got up to talk to somebody or he went to check something out or he, you know, immediately got up and took a phone call. I mean, it's Columbo's just, one it's last just one of those things. No, no. Yeah. See, well, I mean, Dick not Van necessarily Dyke that. Like with his... diagnosis mur- no, I'm, I'm just going to start saying. Oh, and, and Marlo diagnosis. Marlo reads between the lines because when he goes at the opening of the movie in the book to see his employer, his new case or client, General Sternwood, he's supposed to find out who's blackmailing Carmen and you know, and Carmen mm-hmm. is signing these gambling debts and they're blackmailing Sternwood to pay them off. It's never really about the gambling debts, though. It's about no. what happened to Sean Reagan. Mm-hmm. And even when he finds out what happened, you know, he solves the blackmail thing. And uh, uh, Vivian tries to pay him off with the check with f- for $500. The case isn't over for him. He's got to find Sean Reagan. No. And he has his suspicions about that. Yeah, finding Sean Regan, finding Eddie Mars' wife, exactly like why Joe Brody, like who's going to the, uh, what is it, like the Rampart Arms or something where the apartment is that Joe Brody's at. And I mean, he's even telling him, he's all like, are you Joe, like uh, Carl Regan? And he's like, no, what? He's like, no, 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 uh, you have his stuff. You're Joe Brody, aren't you? Well, I want that picture. And I mean, that's in Carmen shows up. Carmen, it's kind of interesting because like she's high like 90% of the time, but it seems like what she's going to remember, she's going to make important specifically and only for her. Like she shows up with a gun to get her little, like, you know, her, uh, her dude, her, 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 her nude, her, her selfie or her Snapchat. <laughs> her, 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 There's <laughs> a lot of guns and a lot of like <laughs> taking of guns. Very, I love that line. People just keep giving me guns today. <laughs> oh, what is People- it? What is it with everybody? If you feel like you got a gat in the hand, means you got the world by a tail. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but like people give up their guns very easily back then it feels like it's like ah oh, you got me like yeah but it, this this isn't this isn't an errol flynn swashbuckler very true uh you know <laughs> yeah. and and while to the casual viewer especially somebody from our generation or younger it may seem the first time you watch it to be a very slow moving plot but i mean People had longer attention spans back then, and it wasn't it wasn't about the shootouts necessarily. It wasn't about the you know kung fu uh, or or being able to have a, a good fist fight. They already had that already. If you wanted that, go see a western. Go see go see uh, Gary Cooper, or John Wayne. Uh, you know, fucking waltz down uh, High Noon Avenue and Belgrum. Which which a lot of the actors in this film were from westerns and still did westerns. Now, my question to you guys, who would you hire? J.J. Gitz from Chinatown or Humphrey Bogart, good old fellow Marlowe, for your case? If you had a case that you had to get done, which one of those two would you hire? Well, in J.J. Gitz's defense, okay, that's a, he's, he is Philip Marlowe. Wink. I mean, pretty much all of these these noir detectives are Philip Marlowe. Even yeah. the the Star Trek Next Generation uh, holodeck program that Picard plays, <laughs> it has a different name. It's fucking Philip Marlowe. It's Marlowe. I think the only thing that's missing is that he has a secretary and Marlowe doesn't. And I don't think gets as fe- I feel like almost not as fearless as like Marlowe. Just seems like he does not care if he uh like gets caught off guard and like gets like the crap kicked out of him he always keeps that very like uh calm 
like I've got this kind of attitude. Even when he's tied up, he's just like t- spitting crap, and I'm like, dude, you're gonna die. Like maybe like shut it for just a second. When he's like, chewing out Eddie Mars's wife, he's like, oh, of course Eddie Mars doesn't do it. He just <laughs> hires people to do it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> Man, the boys weren't taking any chances, were they? Hmm. <laughs> what is this, a Bolson's nut? <laughs> oh, no, that's a, a little bit of a sailor. Humphrey Bogart was the first to play Philip Marlowe, but uh, Robert Mitchum played him in a revival of these uh, movies uh, in during the 1960s and 1970s. Did one of my other favorite Philip uh, or uh, Raymond Chandler novels, uh, Farewell, My Lovely. Elliot Gould did like a whacked out weed smoking philip marlowe uh in the long goodbye that was like 1973 Mm -hmm. even michael gambon played marlowe in the singing detective uh powers booth uh james gardner james Kahn. uh all these people played philip marlowe at some point during the the uh the 20th century yeah, if you're if you're looking for an iconic depiction of what the film noir detective is, like it is Philip Marlowe. He is that mold that everyone else has to fill in. I mean, they've they've made so many spoofs on it. I mean, one of my favorite episodes in Family Matters is when Steve Urkel plays the, like a film noir detective based on a story that Rachel, the aunt, wrote. And it's just, I think it's absolutely hilarious to see Urkel play like a badass, like film noir detective, you know, exhibiting Philip Marlowe's kind of like banter and wit. And I mean, obviously, there's supposed to be some type of like sex appeal, but the irony into the fact is that it's it's Steve. Why do I feel like that this role at some point should have been like uh, adapted by Richard Chamberlain? I feel like he's done like so many random things and this would just be another thing he's like sure I'll be Marlowe like I haven't done a detective in a while I'll do that like it's it's such a because like when you're reading off names of people who like redid this role I'm like okay like where's that actor that's like uh, uh Charlton Heston or someone like that where it's like yeah, I need that in my my book of. I, I'm going to put this out there on the airwaves for everybody who listens to this, and maybe you'll get to the right ears. But Nicholas Cage, yeah, boom, right needs there. to play right. like a an unhinged Philip Marlowe, and there is one where uh, it centers around like these holistic clinics. You bitches, that basically you drug bitches. people and and leech them of their money, and he gets put into one of these clinics and medicated and beat up. I would love to see Nicolas Cage playing uh, Philip Marlowe just just with his his hairline, which is like almost at the top of his forehead at this point, almost at the crown of his head at this point. <laughs> Killing me won't I, pay yeah, off I your gambling it. debts, you bitches! You bitches! <laughs> Why is it burned? Why is it burned? Carmen killed him, you bitches! Why is it burned? Why is it burned? <laughs> oh, God. Make sure to get it back, Sean Regan's gonna kill and help you. Oh. Bear punch. <laughs> Bear punch. <laughs> well, yeah, speaking of bear punch, did you like his his uh, high kick Kia when he just kicks open the windows? Oh my! Where he tosses gosh. the gun down and kicks the dude in the jaw. He kicks the dude in the jaw and he knocks him out with one. I'm thinking like he punched you harder than you kicked him. How did you knock him out? So well, Nicholas Cage is getting my bear punch. It's a yeah. Philip Marlowe has got the the mule kick. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a couple of oh, like one hit KOs uh, in this where and like at the point where they're in the like the parking lot and he like uh, and like tell your boss when you wake up like and he like punches very uh, like just from not even oh. not even like <laughs> cock <laughs> back like, chicken like, wing punch just, yeah, quick jab. Pow, pow. 
He did the he did the <laughs> Bruce Lee like, but he 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 just <laughs> commits to like, oh yeah, he's for sure out and like out for like six hours. I'm good, of course. And well, you don't you don't question yeah, it. Prob- you don't ha- you, like. You never no way like double tap. Like you never like man. Like while he's on the ground. <laughs> No, he he doesn't he doesn't want to kill him. Well, no, but you know you got to make sure that he's out. Like you can't just believe that with one little hit that like oh yeah he's out for like put a timer well, on I can. it. Like, not of unless I can. you're Eric this Roberts is, this and this Philip is best motherfucking Marlowe. Then maybe one one punch will do it. But I like how Marlowe he he doesn't carry a gun as a matter of habit. But I do like his little mm-hmm. like pop out his oh swing God, the, down the drop like, down gun pad and a uh, gun yes. little thing under the radio. Uh, that's kind of sexy. That was very Bondish. That I like that. I, yeah, I saw that. and I was like, oh, oh, look at you! And not just one, but two. I guns. wanted it to. I wanted <laughs> there to also be like a bottle of with like <laughs> right next to it. Like he's like, click. No, he keeps that on him. At all I know times. it's another time, but they're drinking at all hours of the day. Drinking, smoking. Uh, Talking about sex. I mean, this is uh, as rock and roll as you can get without music. Like when he gets called up and he's all like, don't you know it's rude to wake a man up at two o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, get out of here. You're going you're gonna to eat the breakfast that the county sends. No, 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 thank you. How often do you sing a song about abuse in perfect harmony with uh, some other people? <laughs> like, did you not catch on to that song? With her two like, straight up. She told her twice already. And she better have dinner on the table. (laughs) And don't burn the roast. Like, what is going on? You can't just have a song. You (laughs) neither do I. (laughs) Also, also, real quick, the most accurate Tommy gun I've ever seen like in a straight line like, <laughs> i'm like whoa, 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 whoa. don't shoot it's me Tommy <laughs> guns like well, i love when, when joe brody opened the, the door and there was the shot and he kind of sees his a little bit and then they blew out a little bit of wood with the second shot just like yeah someone's shooting a gun like there's no, we're not going to show the blood because it's 1940s but he did you get the you he, get the he did <laughs> i honestly i do kind of like the deaths in this where it's like very like oh it oh yeah, me. the guy. He's like, I they he's like, like, like a, a cutscene, like <laughs> mid credits when everybody's about to leave the theater and they think it's over, and it's Agnes just like picking her way out of the apartment, like, well, this has been really nice, Fucking Agnes, you son of a bitch, and she's like <laughs> picking her way over the body after she's, you know, cleaned out the drawers and the cabinets and everything. She's got sack of canned goods over her shoulder in a bindle. <laughs> do you guys have hand signals that you do at work to other co-workers? Like, so when Agnes does the, like, little hand signal, to, like, signal, like, hey, uh, like, she kind of, like, gives, like, a little hang loose. She, she gives him, like, a thumbs back, like, head to the back. Don't stay out here. Head to the back. Oh, I thought she was, like, doing, like, a hang loose, like, uh, like, uh, at my job in the medical field, you hold up three fingers and then you kind of twitch one of them because you have to on the chart uh, demonstrate or give a signal to the physician that's going to see them that they are sort of conscious, alert and oriented. Uh, so if they are like batshit crazy or a little bit wackadoo, like you're sort of wiggling that third like, are they though? Are they? (laughs) Borderline. Okay. All right. All right. So let's play a quick game of uh, 
Mary fuck kill. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's let's go. Are, are we confining it to just the females, or I mean, hell, are we bringing in what? John Ridley and, <laughs> and Humphrey Bogart into this as well? Because usually, isn't isn't Mary fuck kill like you have a set three people? Oh, okay. okay, it's not like you're it's not like you're picking from literally like we can literally pick just about the hard well, yeah, yeah, because they're all I think so attractive. Is is on the menu. I think that would add a little bit more variables to our responses. That's fine. Okay, well, obviously, I'm I'm going to put up uh, the, the bookshop owner, because mm, she's, she's got to be in there. We'll go with um with Vivian. Obvi- I mean, you know, I feel like we need a, a main character. But I, <laughs> I almost don't want to do Carmen, because she's such an easy, like... Hey, hey, be nice. That's a well, lady. She's just, no, she's such an easy like killer fuck. Like <laughs> it's you're, you're, there's no way you're marrying that mm-hmm. one and like like taking that home. Really? To mom and dad. She gets she gets all the money. But like she's like just oh you're cute you're cute like thumb thumb bite bite like stop just commit okay I'm like no it doesn't work. You um, want me to go first? <laughs> Well, we gotta pick our third. Who's our third? Well, we've got Carbon, oh. we've got Vivian, we've got the you bookstore go girl. Okay. You could even Those. throw Agnes in there. Uh, you could throw the cabbie. You could throw the librarian. The cabbie. You could throw the uh, like the, the like... cigar cigarette girls from uh, from. All right, so just all Mars. The, we're just doing all there just all the women. All right, <laughs> Drew, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So Mary, you know what? We will go with marrying. We'll go with marrying Carmen because Holy despite the fact, <laughs> look at Jack's face. Drew's just like Jack's face. Yeah, give no, no, me that. Who wants to wake up every morning with a chili pepper in his candy dish <laughs> with a gun, like just a knife to his throat? Okay, like the idea. Me? The idea with marrying Carmen. <laughs> oh, please tell me she's not in a state asylum, but she's just the idea with marrying Carmen. <laughs> True, true. Is that you? Yeah, you're cute. cute. You're cute. <laughs> You're cute. Okay. Marrying Carmen would allow for the factor that, one, you do have a smoking hot wife, but you also have all the money from dad. <laughs> all right? So you, you release her, or if, if she needs to be put away, because <laughs> she's crazy, or, you know, just, frankly, she's a child. I don't think she's, I don't think she's mental. I think she's she's just a child. I mean, she's a nymphomaniac, but she's a child. We are going to we're we're gonna fuck the Acme bookshop owner, Dorothy Malone, because I mean she she's just a bombshell. Okay, she's gorgeous in that little outfit. She has all this little sex appeal with the whole like oh well looks like we're closed for the rest of the afternoon. And then even with the glasses, the glasses are cute. Takes off the glasses, undoes her hair, and then even 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 Marlowe's like yeah. Little things like that making up. Hello. Hello. So I mean, she. Oh man, I mean, kill, though? I, who am I going to kill? Probably you know, that's, honestly, that's one of the best parts. <laughs> I know that that would be one of the best parts. Since there would be no competition for the money, I'm going to kill Vivian. Just lock it All up. Right. Make sure that <laughs> no one <laughs> just to lock no it one's up coming around sure, the back corner. Make sure everything's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I uh, I would I would fuck Vivian, yeah. though I don't think she'd be a great lay. I, I sort of feel like she'd be like, oh, yes, yeah. do it again. Um, <laughs> I would I would kill Carmen because Carmen seems like it would like she'd do some wackadoo shit like 
like scratch you across the face, you know, during the act or some weird shit or like all of a sudden, like you've got a gun to your head. I, I'm not about that life. You just got a rumor to not give her, not give her well, drugs yeah, or, yeah, or give her I mean, a lot. Addict's gonna addict <laughs> or give her a lot more. Uh, <laughs> so I'd, I'd kill Carbon and I would marry the Boom. Acme bookshop girl because she's smart. She's mm. beautiful. And 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 I'm, you get a I'm Philip Marlowe, so <laughs> I, I can I can earn my own bread. I don't need the Sternwood money to keep me afloat. So fuck Vivian, kill Carmen, marry Agnes, or not Agnes, the uh, okay. the right, so bookshop girl. Jack, I agree with you. Marry mm-hmm. uh, the bookshop owner. She's got the hotness, and she's runner. She's a an independent woman, run bookstore. I love it, and she's just she's smoking. When, when she takes off her glasses, put, him, put the glasses back on. Down, I mean, you and then keep it going. it's when Marlo, when Marlo is pouring the rye out into the glasses, she kind of gives him this side glance and then kind of cocks her mm-hmm. tongue along the side of her mouth. Like, who boy. I would fuck the taxi driver chick 100%. <laughs> like, hands down. Like, when she was like, mm, like, but call me during the, you know, I, I work during the day. I was like, I work during the like, days. Oh, call me during the nights. Oh, when can you use me? Marla, you gotta, you gotta go. You gotta, you gotta call her. You gotta take her up on this. <laughs> and then I would probably kill Agnes. I feel like Agnes was just, she needed a bullet half of the time. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you don't deserve to lit. Like, you're just kind of rude and like, mm, and like doing like weird hand signals i only get the half smart guys that's all i get just the half smart guys you're a real pain in my shut he's up a, he's a what pain is, what, in my- what is he a pain in my i told you to uh, shut up can someone clip that and do that like in a rap song he's a pain in my shut up he's a pain in my shut up <laughs> <laughs> they already did that it's in shaft <laughs> he's a shut your mouth shut this movie so i don't know a lot of these people um i mean obviously humphrey bogart is kind of the you know the biggest name I, I, lauren mccall is is a very and and to a certain extent so is martha Vickers. yeah so the guy who played general sternwood was well known at the time i think this was his last film credit he died i think even before it was released theatrically. A lot of, and it's kind of cool to like go back to older movies like this and be like, oh, like who are these people? And are the older generations like, are you kidding me? Like this was so and so, you know, this was a uh, Sophia Darren. Like how do you not know her? You know, she was in this, this, this. All these older actors. It's kind of like when you watch something now and someone's like, oh, what, what is that old movie about? Um, the president on the plane, Air Force One. How do you? Of course, get off my get plane. Get off you know, my you know, plane. <laughs> that was Harrison Ford. That was Gary Oldman. Like we just start going. <laughs> Where's my we, family? It, like our generation gets to kind of like sound off on on those actors in that time period and. I'm sure the generation before us gets to like, oh, Humphrey Bogart was so great, and Lauren Bacall, and you know, they get to go off on that, and that's cool. I like that. You know, this is what cool looked like back then. You know, those were the cool cats. And it makes me want to watch more. Like, I, I kind of want to watch To Have and Have Not. I want to watch yeah. The Maltese Falcon. Uh, yeah, uh, if you guys haven't Falcon. seen the, uh, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre is one of uh, mm. Humphrey Bogart's best best fucking roles uh intense like 
you know, nosedive into, you know, greed and human depravity. Uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. But I mean, they had to put a lot of rose colored lenses on this subject material for back then. What's the big sleep about? Oh, well, you know, it's a detective story. No, it's the story about a detective, you know, investigating the blackmailing of a rich family by a pornographer uh, who's uh, you know, roped in the drug addicted, opium or heroin addicted daughter uh, who killed her dad's like best friend, but uh, and her sister is covering it up along with Eddie Mars, this shadowy, you know, underworld casino owner. Like that's that's a great yeah. fucking plot right there. I've never watched Casablanca. Casablanca, Casablanca. Yeah, it's worth it. Oh, it's worth it. Yeah. Did you ever see Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea? So the the uh, the professor's assistants, the assistant, the the sort of frog-eyed professor, professor. <laughs> uh, who is it? Peter Laurie is in that as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's worth it. But I mean, that's where you get the goodbye scene that's been parodied with the plane in the background and the fog, and to have the to have and have not the other Lauren Bacall and and Humphrey Bogart movie that they did prior to this, you know, that's where you get. Don't you know how to whistle? You just put your lips mm. together and blow. Lips together. <laughs> all these, all of these, Play it again, these, these quotes that a lot of people know. They've heard them in The Simpsons or The Family Guy or, or throughout pop yeah. culture. <laughs> of all the, of all yeah. the juke joints in town, exactly. Yeah, I like going back to the original source, and it is worth appreciating. You know, every now and again, I think. Yeah. Especially now when there's no new fucking movies coming out, you gotta you gotta you gotta start boring <laughs> into the old stuff. Oh, Dune! Dune pushed back a whole nother year, almost depressing. a whole nother year. Absolutely depressing. Oy. I was I was really looking forward to that. I mean, I don't think it should be a, a big surprise that it happened, but I think it's more of a yeah. disappointment. Yeah, but I mean, it happened with um, the new Bond film, and just really everything else. Oh, it happened with everything, and. I mean, hell, we've been waiting for New Mutants for like but three years now. Are we going? We're going into Red, <laughs> correct? We're well, yeah. <laughs> Segway people, we're going to talk about our town's oh. <laughs> level of infectious rate. Supposedly, the governor is like shifting Kern County back into Red. Uh, whether it stays there, yeah. who the hell knows? It's all the it's all the trucks adorned with flags. You know, that's what really got us there. You know, God bless <laughs> those men and women. Those flags Fuckers. waving. <laughs> Are uh, we doing the segmentes? We certainly can. Segmentes. <laughs> Nathan, don't do that. Uh, oh, uh, uh, what, the Christina Aguilera? Like, <laughs> yeah, you did your, like, uh, uh, break it down. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, so segment number one. Yeah, I met her in the hall and she did that to me. Then she tried to sit on my lap while I was standing up. We've all encountered that girl during times in our lives. Tell me about an occasion when you encountered a woman that did whatever they wanted, regardless of good taste or decorum. Did they get their just desserts in the end? I'll go first on this one. There was a girl in middle school. So as soon as the movie started and Carmen, I, I kid you not, there was a girl in middle school named Carmen. And she was a girl that was very like eye-opening because I came from a very like conservative elementary school and then going to another school that was ele- uh, to the middle school. Curse words were flying around like I'd never heard before. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, oh my. Oh, my sweet Jesus. Like just things. Life was very different in middle school. <laughs> and Carmen was one of the first girls that, like, I'd ever heard, like, 
was like having sex and promiscuous and was a huge flirt and just had that like no fear of like talking to people and would often just like come up to our group flirt very blatantly to every single person that like had whoever she wanted to like target at that moment she had no problem of like saying very sexual things to and it was like target maximum firepower <laughs> oh and and we were all alderon just <laughs> 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 we, you may begin your landing lord vader so, uh, uh car- open pod bay doors. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, so Carmen was, uh, Carmen V, as I always knew her. Uh, she was very much the girl that could just do whatever she wanted. And I think that she got pregnant pretty early. Uh, no, uh, spoiler alert, but I think that she actually, so I wouldn't say that she got her just desserts, but she did wise, like, she had to do like the, the GED program. And I think she actually, like, started going to college and stuff like that soon after, but took a couple steps back because of her choices of being so promiscuous. And yeah, yeah, (laughs) Carmen, shout out. All right. (laughs) So when I was in high school, I knew a girl, not necessarily like we were friends or anything, but she seemed to kind of like get her way with a lot of stuff. She could, you know, get away with talking to certain people in a certain manner, like whether it be another student or even on like some occasions, like a faculty member. Uh, but also, like if she were to get in trouble at school, it wouldn't necessarily be as bad as it were possibly to have uh, fallen upon another student. And I think a lot of it had to deal with the fact of like who her parents were. And more importantly, the fact like she was like head cheerleader and, you know, she was like president of like some of the clubs. But like it was just seeming to be like this this aura of power and like this audacity that she decided to keep upon herself. And it I don't know, like I it it bothered the shit out of me, like growing up where she thought that she could definitely do all these things. I found out like after she turned 18. So her name was Brittany. And she literally changed her name to B R I T dash K N E. It's Brittany, bitch. So Brittany. <laughs> and okay. I'm like, okay, well, this is a great. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a this is a great start. I mean, I don't. I. It was weird. It's like after she turned 18, it almost seemed like things started to kind of like topple down on this ivory tower of hers. Uh, she got caught like cheating at one point. And then she got suspended. And I'm like, oh, you just, you flew too high. You flew too high. <laughs> Icarus, no! <laughs> come, come back down. Yeah, it just, I mean, I don't know technically what happened to her after high school. I'll be quite honest. And I don't mean this to be in a callous way. I stopped caring. It, it just kind of went from there. So it, it was, a, it was a short lived kind of observation of her high school experience and what I kind of saw from my own. So my, my third year at college, I lived in a, and I've mentioned it before, I lived in a, a very large old house with nine other guys. And there was a girl that my buddy was dating. He was a long-term friend. He wasn't just somebody I'd known for a year or so. And it was one of those girls that immediately rubbed me the wrong way. I just, I, I didn't really enjoy being around her, couldn't stand her presence. And she was always doing shady shit like he, she would be here and he would go to class and then she'd be like across the hall with the door shut in one of the other guys' rooms. But they're just playing video games, but they're playing video games for like two hours 
and I don't hear any video game themes. I just hear like music, you know. She's playing with yeah. his joystick. So she is she sort of, and I up. live, I live there one semester, and, <laughs> ding, and down, ding, down, ding, be, be right, be. Yeah, she lived there one. She lived there. I lived there one semester, and I got the hell out of there just at the right time. This this girl just sort of hopscotch through got other guys in the house. Like then after Joe dumped her, she hopped on to the rich kid who was from like one of the very affluent suburbs down in uh, Cincinnati. And then, uh, then when, when he was sick of her bullshit, she started uh, dating sort of the shady guy who was, you know, didn't have a, 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 you know, a job in in college except for dealing drugs. So everything that she was doing, it was what sort of advantage could she garner out of the situation. So long story short, she got like the first week back after the holiday break. She got busted for a DUI driving through campus by the campus police, and she had like uh, like pills and some cocaine and some marijuana and shit, and she was drunk, so she got expelled. But I think like three other guys in that house ended up with STDs, and it was all traced back to oh. this girl. <laughs> Lovely. So, Eskimo brothers. Here, <laughs> here's yeah. some parting gifts. <laughs> so it was one of those things like, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Like, they got a DUI and they're expelled. And I'm like, great. Good riddance. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, the segment number two is the Sternwoods. Imagine now that you are a Sternwood while your aging father sits fuming in the hothouse. You may do as you please. You want for nothing. Money is no object. And the law can be made to look the other way just on the basis of your name. What do you do? What life do you choose to lead when you no longer need a job? Oh, I'll go. <laughs> so I'm going to be that individual who is having dad's money kind of go around and make sure that I am ready for every single gaming event that I can attend. I'm going to have the best magic deck. I'm going to have all of the new D&D books and miniatures. <laughs> I'm going to be ready for my, you know, through dad's connections and money, my lifetime pass to Comic-Con. Gen Con. I, and I'm just going to go to all these events and, uh, you know, somehow weasel my way in. And of course, it's it's going to it's going to gander those looks of like, oh, shit, it's him again. And but it's OK. They can't do anything about it because I, because I'm a Sternwood, damn it. So I would uh, I would go opposite. I would go altruistic here. Uh, one of my favorite parts of Project Mayhem in Fight Club was when they would do individual projects, like when they went into the convenience store and they held up the like the Korean uh, checkout guy at gunpoint, made him tell him what you know why was he working here, what was his dream, he wanted to be a, a veterinarian, uh, you know, take steal his license and tell him that you know if if. I come back in, in six months and you aren't, you know, enrolled in veterinary school, uh, then we're going to have a problem. But I would use my wealth to help move that along. So, you know, if, oh. if he applied uh, to a veterinary school, but he didn't get enough student aid, uh, my contact, because I'm rich as fuck, and I'm, and I'm probably donating now to this veterinary school, I would quietly pay his tuition uh, and just try to make people's lives a little bit better without them being able to directly trace it back to me. Sort of like Batman without all the vigi vigilanteism. Okay. Oh, see, I thought we were supposed to go the, like, the You can the do whatever Carmen. you want. You can do whatever no, you no, want. No, no, I know, I know, but I, I kind of took it as, like, going the Carmen route. Well, that's true, too. Well, that's true, too. So, 
That's fine. I like yours, though. My endless amounts of money and time and, like, I don't have to, you know, do anything. So it's my time is my time. I would um, I would probably make a lot of film and I would do a lot of music. Uh, when you have a lot of, like, to, to be creative, you just need time and an unlimited source of money. And you can make some cool stuff and you can have a lot of fun and it's not even something that i would need to like have out in the world it would be a lot more just for me or for you know this is really cool i really like this project and when i can sink 200 million into uh, a movie like why not let's do that explosion scene again like like just to get a better angle like that's what i'm talking about this is dino de laurentis we're making flash gordon goddammit. it (laughs) (laughs) exactly but there are some, you know, some guilty pleasure things that I would just want to do. Like, I would really want to do real life war games. Like, have very, you know, I'd get like a lot of like reenactment type people um, to like do some some fun paintball game combat scenarios. And I mean, if I can pay all these people and they're having a great time bringing in their own equipment too. So would you well, use your money to to make like an M1 Grand paintball gun and we oh, could do like some crazy you. Band of Brothers type shit? <laughs> so it shit my foxhole. You know he is. You get this many shots, but when you, when you shoot your last paintball, it has to ping. It has to ping. <laughs> Sir, it's going to be $5,000 a unit if it pings. Make it ping! God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Stow it, gonorrhea. Brr, brr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's Excellent. what I would do. Right. Uh, so segment numero trace. What's your name? Riley, Doghouse Riley. <laughs> that's a funny kind of name. This movie provides a wonderful glimpse into post-war Los Angeles. How Philip Marlowe chooses to lead his life is also fascinating. He lives outside the Monday through Friday 9 to 5 bubble. Beholden to a life without a steady paycheck, Marlowe earns his bread using wit, intellect, outright disdain for bullshit, and above all, the pursuit of truth. A common theme of Raymond Chandler's detective noir is Marlowe's willingness to speak his mind to anyone, no matter their station in life. Besides a detective, what occupation would you choose to do in order to live your life on your own terms, reliant on nobody else but yourself? I feel. Oh, I'll go first. It, go for it. Yeah. And I hope I didn't steal Drew's because it it could be, could be could be close. But one of my favorite, uh, and I wish there was more of them. Uh, one of my favorite reality TV shows to watch was Life Below Zero. And I just love the idea of subsistence lifestyle, like these lone wolves out like in the middle of nowhere. They've got to chop their own firewood. They've got to source their water, you know, checking their trap lines. They got to get meat for the winter. <laughs> and they, they just have this, you know, to be able to sit there at night with, with nobody within hundreds, if not thousands of miles of you and just read books and maybe like, you know, type up some stories or something. That sounds very, very uh, perfect. Uh, it does. Like, <laughs> just to be able to go out there and just, you know, you're not tethered to your cell phone. You're not tethered to your email account. There is a siren song to to that sort of lifestyle now would it get old after a while yeah sure probably when you want a pizza and you can't order a pizza but i would really like to try that at some point i think it'd be fun but i I just don't think it's in my cards right now this has been a good conversation (laughs) they're all perfect perfect (laughs) um i I, oh 
Oh, I was going to say, Jack, like, I mean, in, in accordance with that, like, I, I think that that is is a fascinating and kind of alluring life that there is so those, much temptation the, to it. Right. Those those people lead. I, I think it's a fascinating thing. Would I probably ever be able to probably do it? More than likely not. But I would watch the <laughs> shit out of you if you had a camera crew following you around as Bear well. Bear Grylls style. <laughs> if so, I was when we were watching this, I was kind of thinking like, okay, what other professions or even like other kind of parts of film where there is someone that doesn't that is good at their craft and can kind of be a badass, take on whatever cases or independent contracting that they want and then not have to do settle for any of the bullshit. But they kind of choose the bullshit. And that would be a lawyer. I think that is such a fun field like to kind of almost be like Goliath, where it's you're taking on cases, not necessarily because like you're better call Saul and you just have to take on these like <laughs> the plethora of, of these crap cases. You just take on just once in a while. Yeah, I'll take on this uh, case. And you can kind of just be a badass with it. And yeah, I would love to just be a lawyer. And there's Marlo is so smart at his craft. Like he knows all the he knows that he needs to have a gun in his car at any beck and just kind of click. Oh, yeah, I got my gun. He, he keeps his old inspector's license from when he was working for the district attorneys, even though he's not working for the district attorneys any longer, just because it may right. come in useful. Never know. And nobody's going to exactly. question it too much. I just think that, yeah, like it, it's a, a cool notch in the belt to be a lawyer. I've met many a lawyer that I'm like, damn. That is kind of cool. But they also have to deal with a lot of shitty cases. So if you didn't have to deal with all those, that would be awesome. All right. I like. So if I could definitely live a life in which I'm like calling my own shots and it's definitely my nine to five, I'm make, I'm kind of making it my own and it's definitely what I want to be doing. I would honestly, guys, I would probably continue kind of like what we're doing here. I would very much be a film critic. I would love to it just stinks. like review. <laughs> <laughs> <It stinks. laughs> I love that show. <laughs> um, I, I would I would probably be a film critic. I would love I would love to go to like various premieres, meet directors, actors. But I mean, also kind of like spotlight. You know, the the underdogs, the unsung heroes of those who do film, like, you know, different sound and tech crews and stuff. If it were not to be film, I have always been told that kind of like Nathan's dream. I should I, I've always been told that I should be a lawyer because I I love to argue. I love to debate. All right. But more importantly, I like to help people. So if I were to have a choice of a second thing, I would probably be like a like a shrink or a counselor. I enjoy helping people through their problems. I like you know, talking things out, giving kind of like my two cents. So the the first and foremost, film critic, 100%, going to parties, meeting people, reviewing movies on my own time, having like a home movie theater. Uh, but if it was going to be like a more sensible and probably a bit more contributing to society, <laughs> I'd probably be a shrink. I like it. I like it. All right. Our uh, fourth and final segment of the night is The Big Sleep. Raymond Chandler is writing one last detective story. Let's help him out with some of the details. 
Pick a new city for the setting, a new client and case. Who is the antagonist replacing Eddie Mars? And what racket for him besides owning a casino? Walk us through the broad strokes of the plot and finally give us uh, a title for this uh, to, to match the saw or the uh, sorry the short story book novel movie whatever feel free to be as serious or lighthearted as you please what are you guys gonna do with for I, the ghost of, I would, of I would, raymond chandler i would like to go last because i want to make you guys okay. all right mine's kind of lighthearted too so i am jack is yours where's yours at like serious it's pretty lighthearted okay well then maybe it'll be a okay i'll, I'll go first all right all right i'll go second we'll have drew back clean up so this, okay. the the town, Chicago. Samuel, the cheesemaker, Bert, the butcher, Carter, the baker, and Lynn, the produce queen, are all being blackmailed by each other. But it turns out they're not being blackmailed by each other. Someone's pulling the strings from above. Our boy, Mar- our boy Marlo, he's got to figure out why are they all being blackmailed and why is this sandwich being put together? This story is called The Pickle. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, and he—he's gonna be a pickle. It's in a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> the name is what sells it. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. The setting is also the Midwest, Cleveland, Ohio, another waterfront town. The case is hired from a local Polish restaurateur, Peter Popperkosz. We always go with food. <laughs> whose, whose prized Polish sausage recipe has been stolen and he's being blackmailed for his return or else it will be leased to his competitors. You find out that this is all being perpetrated by Peter's illegitimate half-brother, Polka Pierogi, a mysterious man in the darker <laughs> circus of the Midwest Polka Circuit. Along the way, you fall in love with a beautiful polka mistress, Svetlana Paprika, and rescue her at the end of the Darien Showdown during the local Polish festival. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you next year, fall of 2021, a sausage cart named Desire. <laughs> This cased meat is closed. (laughs) You're smoked. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Mangled fingers have been turning up all over town in Bakersfield, inside cans of spicy bitch water. (laughs) The inhabitants are scared. There's been ten murders in ten weeks, all committed with a ladle. And still nobody has any clue as to who this clumsy killer just might be. Zoom in. Mr. Nathan Zimmerman, a weak and funny-looking detective with a fondness for gardening. He doesn't know it yet, but he's the only one who can stop this stingy killer. When his friend Drew is kidnapped, Mr. Zimmerman finds himself thrown into the center of the investigation. His only clue? Some tiny Q-tips. I'll use these. (laughs) He, He enlists the help of his noble butcher friend. Jack. But Jack needs to help Nathan overcome his Pepsi addiction <laughs> and find the answers before <laughs> before this malicious Sweat killer it out, Nathan. Finds, Sweat it out. <sighs> finds out finds out where they are and takes another sip of his bloodlust. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you bitch water for two. <laughs> I can already see the trailer. He's got some sort of liquid in his mouth. Lab is showing traces of shampoo. It's almost like he drowned in shower water. Oh, water. I I meant to like add something like that into it. 
victims are being drowned in their shower water me, all over town. This case is personal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, so, gentlemen, what would you rate The Big Sleep? Well, I'm going to give The Big Sleep... Nine out of ten cigarettes for the fact that it is a it is a fantastic film. Honestly, it truly is. However, I I somehow just can't overlook some of the continuity errors with the plot. But I it's still very enjoyable. It's incredibly entertaining, and you can't you can't necessarily go wrong with it. So I would hit the snooze button on the big sleep and sleep in. <laughs> Four out of five times. I would give this. This is a good movie and it's worth it. Um, and I would not sleep on it or I would sleep on it. The big sleep. Good. So mine's got layers. Two ratings. <laughs> uh, if if this is a movie where you have never read any of the books, the usual recommendation for a good night's sleep is seven to eight hours. I would get this six and a half out of seven hours of sleep. But... If you are somebody who is familiar with these books, you've read them, you love them, such as myself, I would give this the big sleep in, and I would give this nine or ten out of mm. eight hours. Uh, I, I just feel that seeing how well it's done in print, and then seeing how Humphrey Bogart, Lo Bacall, how it all comes together, even with its imperfections, that's why I picked it. It tickles me. So, I'd go yeah. with it. I liked it. Yeah. Good. Uh, so the uh, the Patreon special mm. for this one, I see. Uh, for uh, for nineteen hundred and forty six dollars, the uh, the year of the premiere, you and I will embark on a journey, a social experiment. Uh, we are going to need some support, some support staff, because we are going to be just casually drinking throughout the day. Of our everyday lives, we'll we'll start out with some coffee and Jameson. We'll we'll move on to one of our workplaces with, uh, you know, each new patient or each new phone call. You sit down and pour a drink and just see if anybody can actually function. <laughs> Going to the bookstore, chat up the coffee girl, take some shots. See, can anyone actually function doing this much alcohol during their waking hours? I don't think we can, but we're, we're going to find, find out. out. <laughs> so, for $1,946, join me on this journey. And I call it the big hangover. Worth every penny. <laughs> worth every spiritual <laughs> journey. Yes. So, uh, what are you gentlemen watching right now? What's on your, what What, what are you in the midst of? Uh, well, uh, still continuing with, with Lovecraft Country, there is one more episode, and I am excited honestly actually by the time this comes out it will um the the finale will have already the season one finale will already have happened and it's it, it just keeps getting more and more intense it just keeps getting more and more intense i am also uh almost through my uh watch through of the haunting of hill house so i can watch the haunting of have Blyde you ever Manor. seen hill house I, I started it and i made it like through maybe like eight episodes and I didn't finish it, so I restarted it, and then I'm 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 thinking I'm two away. Phenomenal. So I'm I'm very much enjoying. So it. So we shelved Lovecraft Country because we were finishing up uh, Raised by Wolves, which ended at ten episodes. 
they had me right up until the 10th episode and then some really weird shit goes down i'm not sure if i like it i'm not sure if i hate it yet i'm, I'm gonna see what the second mm. season brings okay also we we rewatched hill house in preparation for bly manor which we are i think on episode six and we have seven eight nine left to finish and it is a uh we, i like it so far it's a bit of a slow burn a lot slower not as many jump scares as as hill house but the story is certainly intriguing and i love mm-hmm. the actors that they did bring back from hill house and the new actors that they've introduced it to and the setting uh, i'm really interested to see where it goes i i've kind of abandoned nice. everything except community right now i am just all in it's it's almost like <laughs> i'm, pop, I'm pop. it's like i'm catching up on something that like everyone else has oh, already never kind of, done it no this is my fr- and i love oh. that and i just i love it um what season are you on uh season two um, <gasps> have you watched the D episode yet not yet and so oh, i, I it's know so it's good i know it's coming it and is. it is really good it's so well written and so well done there's so many parts that like i uh, I, it's a great ensemble cast. Yes, it is. It, Even Chevy Chase, you know, sometimes you're like, all right, Chevy, let's, laying it on. Let's thick. take let's Simmer take fifteen twenty percent off yeah. of that. <laughs> Slick. the The cast group kind of gives me vibes of any sitcom that i've ever like loved like seinfeld or even like friends that where it's just the layered of people that fit really well together although you don't necessarily expect them to fit really well together especially like seinfeld where you're like really uh, a little medium comedian yeah we- but all the all the supporting characters like like starburns and the dean <laughs> oh my god the dean is like he's great in his own right yeah, yeah, keep going. And it, it's it gets ridiculous enough where it's it's entertaining and not to the point where I'm like, ah, uh, you're losing me. It's mm-hmm. it's funny enough where I'm like, yeah, do it again, do, do something else. This is <laughs> this is good. I like this. I like I said, I've abandoned everything else. Brooke just blitzed through uh, the show away the space. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I like kind of glanced at it and said, hmm. I'd rather just watch The Martian or Interstellar. Was that, like, why? Was that with Hillary? Was that with Hillary? Swank? Hillary Swank, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anna's uh, watching something now. It's called The Stranger. It's a BBC, right? Oh no, no, no! I know exactly what she's talking about. Yes, I know exactly. So what I, she's I've, I've to. caught a few episodes with her, and I just like every time new crazy shit happens, I'm like, "What's up with this? Who's the stranger? What's up with the stranger? <laughs> Where's the stranger? It's <laughs> got the secrets. Yeah, oh. love the stranger." <laughs> In in addition to all that, um, since it is October, I started my 31 Days of Horror Challenge. So obviously to watch one horror movie uh, a day for the entire month of October. Uh, my personal goal, as always, for the last, uh, at least for the last year, this will make two years, is to do a, a brand new horror movie that I have not seen. So currently I am uh, I am on track. I've only had one rewatch and that was for a uh, another friend's podcast. And uh, yeah, it's it, too much to name. Obviously, if you want to follow what I'm doing, guys, uh, you can look up my personal Twitter, which is at Dr. Homie H D R H O M I E H. And uh, I, I update what I'm doing on there for uh, 
the current films. Uh, did you guys ever watch uh, Deadwood? No. Yes. Okay. So Anna and I Nathan. watched a, a horror movie the other night. It was it was terrible. It was like a bargain bin uh, exorcist knockoff. And the old, the person that was playing the old priest, it was called The Ascent. And not A-S-C-E-N-T, A-S-S-E-N-T. But the guy that was playing the old priest... And that was the same dude who played Con Stapleton from Deadwood, who is this like boisterous bluff of an asshole. And once I realized who it was, I I couldn't I couldn't reconcile the two in my mind. I couldn't see like Power of Christ compels you with the same guy who in Deadwood grabbed like the chubby prostitutes big soapy boobs and was treating them like the uh the call tubes from a steam steamer engine room engine room full speed ahead and i'm like if he doesn't do that at some point during the exorcism i'm done with this film the power of christ compels you. the power of christ engine room more coal to the burner give me one ping one it's ridiculous ping <laughs> one so what do we have uh coming up we are we are heading into end Whoa. game yes. yes return of the fields we 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 are very much re- coming up to the end of it we uh so after this it is uh nathan has spy spy yep spy and then after spy i'm gonna bring you guys some uh cat and mouse so i'm i'm pretty <laughs> i'm really excited for that and then I believe following Cat and Mouse, it is... We got a Patreon? No. Actually, after that, it comes back to you for Cop Movie. Cop Movie. Cop, Cop Movie. <laughs> 10, 10, 20. Make a rest on the movie. And then right after you, it goes into Grab Baggins, which... Uh, it's, I'm, it's the most wonderful time of the year, yeah, really. I'm, I'm super excited for it. And after Grab Baggins, it will be our uh, not... Not a Patreon, but it will be our uh, voicemail contest winner. His movie. True. You and I still yeah. have one movie after that, correct? Yes. And then after the voicemail contest winner, leading on into January, that is uh, next up for you, Nathan, on January 13th. Heroic fantasy. Heroic fantasy. And then finally, January 27th, I will have literary adaptation to wrap up that year. Uh, however, we might try to sneak in of course, our very last Patreon special for our top tier patron, Justin, who has already picked his movie. So I think we can obviously make a special, uh, you know, exception to squeeze in one last uh, episode before the season is over. Yeah, and folks, uh, we are still sort of mulling over titles for uh, our fourth season, season four. of Real Feels. It is upon us. You know, the first season was the OG, then we had Riker's Beard, and now we are into the Return of the Feels. Uh, so if you have any suggestions, hit us up on uh, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you can uh, always message me or tweet me at at g-i-u-s-t real feels at just real feels or you can always just reach out old school style with your tu- your tooch tone phone your tooch and for the phone. love of god i will kiss the next person no matter gender creed or whatever anybody who calls the tooch line i will send you a goddamn valentine boom <laughs> 
So, guys, if you want to call the Tooch line and get a Valentine and possibly an inappropriate touch from Jack, you can <laughs> dial 661-376-0030. Just call the Tooch line. And yeah, yeah guys, Tooch lines like carbon. It's just it's you're just cute. There going, you're cute. Oh, you're, you. you're cute. You're not very tall, but you're cute. <laughs> And frankly, I'd love to see what the uh, what the audience could kind of like chime in and give us some help for a uh, a title for season four. Obviously, guys, we kind of go for those uh, kind of geeky, you know, illusions uh, as to what we're trying to you know get around. But yeah, we'll we'll have something ready because I I need to design a new sticker, so <laughs> gotta gotta have that uh, good to go. So a special announcement, honestly. So on November eleventh. I will be joining the two girls on a bench for a very special fundraiser to raise some money for uh, finding a cure for epilepsy. Oh. And that's going to be on Saturday, November 11th from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. I will be manning uh, kind of like overseeing the chat as well as uh, I'll be having a, uh, a segment uh, on that uh, fundraiser day. So if you, I was like- gonna say you're, you're not you're not watching like like doing a a co-watch of Dragon Ball Z or something like that because that might be bad for your indication. No, obviously not. So if you guys want to get some more information, I'm gonna uh, have you guys listen to their promo right now. Did you know that 65 million people worldwide have epilepsy? And for 3.4 million, we don't know why? That's right. And did you know that one out of every 26 people have epilepsy? And Trisha's daughter is one of them. Hi, this is Shauna and Trisha from Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. We want to tell you about our upcoming fundraiser, The Bench Gives Back, November 7th from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific Time. We will be live streaming on Get Vocal with some of your favorite podcasts to raise funds to find a cure for epilepsy. So join us, tell a friend, bring your wallet, and enjoy a day of fun podcasters and special guests. We'll see you then. Bye. So hope you guys can join us. Two girls that would on be a fantastic. Bench. I like them. Hey, and Trisha and Shauna are amazing. And from us at the Real Feels uh, crew. This has been the realist. And the feelist. Hey, Angel. You're cute. <laughs> You're cute. <laughs> You're cute. So cute. I would have murdered you if you don't fuck me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I enjoyed your drink as almost as much as you did. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>